Hi, this is Paul Siegel. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and youtube.com slash wanderingdms slash live. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about criticals and fumble hits. Criticals and fumbles in your uh, your combat. Not part of the original D&D core rules. So let's think about all the different iterations that have come through the uh, through the years and which one we like best. Because there's been a lot, Paul. There are many... Yep. Many different uh, add-ons or attempts or experiments at criticals over the years. For sure, for sure. It's a thing that's, I think, very commonly house-ruled. Uh, different RPGs all offer different takes on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a thing, certainly, that I have talked to my groups about a lot in terms of do we want this, do we not want this, what's a good rule? Well, that right there is an interesting point. You know, sometimes, sometimes these, you know, as as we as we converse, I have blinders about um, whether to, to to actually involve the players in the discussion about whether they want that or not. And usually, I just put down like, "Here's the rule that's happening in this game. Kabam, yeah. deal with it." Yeah. Uh, so yeah. actually, it's even interesting that to um, to get a player buy-in about what uh, what alternative they want. Well, you know, the thing is, I feel like, you know, I always tell everyone, um, you know, every game's an experiment, right? I'm always trying new stuff out on stu- on people, and uh, I tell anybody who joins any of my campaigns, I'm like, look, you know, I'm going to change my mind during this campaign. Rules are going to change. I'm sorry. I hope, you- I hope you're okay with yeah. that. Um, but the thing is, I think with criticals is that I've never come to an obvious conclusion. I've, I have batted it around. I've tried different stuff. None of it has ever hit me of like, oh, this is the right way to do it. So that's why I think that's the point where I start to lean on my players and say like, well, what do you, what do you guys like? Right? Because clearly there's a lot of options here and none of them are perfect. So what, what's your preference? I think part of the story that we're going to see today is that it was, you know, the fact that it wasn't part of the core system mm. in original D&D or first edition or BX or anything like that. You know, it's, it's one of those gaps or lacuna that allow all kinds of different things to get filled into that gap over the years. So, mm-hmm. no, it's, it tends to be one of those proud nails where there's clearly a there's clearly a crack, a, a crevice in the system mm. That uh, that's that's kind of fundamental in the system. But remind me, Paul, what is sometimes a little hazy on this? What is the, the current fifth edition D and D rule around? Yeah, it's it's for- it's interesting um, because I feel like I generally parrot. Um, I think I must have picked this up from Matt Mercer. This the, the very simple, the simplest way of expressing it, which is on a nat twenty, you've made a critical hit and you double all the dice. And the important thing there is. There are different abilities or different things that are going to add different dice to your damage roll. So maybe you're doing a D8, but it's because it's a sword, but maybe it's a flaming sword. So you're also adding a D6 of fire. So you're going to roll all those dice twice or double the number of dice or double the value at the end. And then all the uh, modifiers, anything that gets it plused is not doubled. And to be clear, that happens that happens on a natural 20 and only a natural 20. Nothing else triggers that. Correct. 
And, uh, that's, no, uh, that's, uh, that's not exactly correct. I feel like there are probably some special abilities or special weapons that have a different crit range value, right? There's probably some things that crit on a 19 or et cetera. I feel like that probably exists. I'm not drawing it immediately to mind, but that smells right to me, maybe. Uh, that was a major part of the third edition system. Yeah, I'll say yeah, that. So yeah. I I'm, not, I'm not drawing on third edition. From third edition, maybe. Um, and there's no uh, in fifth edition. Once you roll that natural twenty, you definitely got a critical hit. There's no secondary like check or confirmation roll or anything like that. Uh, correct. Correct. Great. Great. Simple, fast. I like that. I like that a lot. Here you, know, here so you go. Gives the, so. Uh, real quick, uh, I'm finding like so. For example, uh, fighters uh, in the champion branch have an improved critical that causes them to crit on a 19 or 20. Um, and there's some other like uh, savage attack and brutal critical. Okay, so there's 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 yeah, there's a few class abilities out there that yeah. affect criticals. Okay, okay. And Despero, thank you in the chat for uh, for cluing us into that. Yep. Yep. Um, Popped up simultaneously with just, Paul just, just as I was quickly show. doing the doing the, <laughs> the search myself. Yeah, yeah, yes. There are a few things. There are a few things out there. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised too if there weren't magic items that are like this. You know, awesome axe yeah. crits on a nineteen or something. Certainly, there's always been like that's always been part of like the sort of wounding Vorpal sword routine. There's some kind of extra extra benefit at the upper range like that. Mm -hmm. Um. Um. Uh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you kind of want this extra excitement of the, you know, you're rolling a 20-sided die. Obviously, the 20 is the best result. And you kind of want to, I guess for me, I kind of want to, you know, recognize or honor the excitement of getting that 20 there and give some kind of extra benefit. So ever since the, the beginning days of D&D, &D, players have, I think, house-ruled some kind of additional benefit and certainly... Yeah. Double damage has been kind of the most obvious starting point all along. I, I feel like that's it's it's worth underscoring that right that like the point like why do we even bother with any of this right is because of that emotional gambling yeah. moment right of the natural twenty yeah. coming up. Just I mean you just see it in the manufacture of dice these days that more and more you're getting dice with with custom words or logos or whatnot on the twenty because right. we all recognize that that's a, a high point a high emotional point of the game is, is having the die land on that value. Right. I think even back in the day, like when I had a, um, you know, I, you know, when I first started, I think my first or second um, D20 I ever got that I was coloring in myself, like I colored in the 20, a special color, hmm. like everything else I think was blue. And then I colored in the, the 20 red and I colored in the, the one green or vice versa or something like that. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's that digital, there's that digital D20 that doesn't roll right. But actually starts flashing yep. if you roll a twenty that that yep. I that part of me really kind of wants to use. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll see this um, if you look on um, D and D Beyond, right? Which now has a whole range of of special uh, virtual dice that you can roll on top of your character sheet, and right. uh, many of them have elaborate visual effects when you roll a twenty. Like not only does the die right. go crazy, but because they have the whole because you're rolling on top of your character sheet, like all kinds of oh, really visual effects occur on the screen to say, woohoo, you got a 20. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And I feel like the reason we want to come up with rules f to honor that, right, is that we don't want to cut the legs out from under that emotional response, right? The last thing you want is the whole yeah. table going, yes, yeah. natural 20, and the DM yeah. going, eh, still no effect, sorry. Yeah, I can see that. I, can see yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, you know, maybe if, again, maybe it's a cultural thing, and maybe if we if we didn't have so many critical rules, 
maybe that expectation wouldn't be there. If I am playing, you know, Boot Hill or Star Frontiers or something with percentiles, there isn't an immediate expectation that if I roll a perfect 01, hmm. that uh, that's going to be some kind of special benefit. Uh, but, um, you know, it's part of the culture and you kind of want to recognize the, the 20. I get it. Um, and, um, you know, I like that. I, I, I like people being excited. So why not have some kind of opportunity to feed into that, honestly? Sure, sure. I mean, there yeah. are percentile dice games that have criticals. Certainly, even Warhammer Fantasy 2nd yeah. Edition has yeah. criticals, uh, has Ulrich's Fury and, and whatnot right. on, on the percentile. Right. right. Uh, actually, I want to think that Ulrich's Fury is maybe keyed into the damage die of rolling the highest value on the damage die. Anyway, we'll get to that. Well, you see, that's interesting. Okay, our, so our, I kind of wanted, as usual, I started to do a historical dive into this for, yeah. for D&D, and I, as usual, I got more and more fascinated at all the different threads that I could find, mm -hmm. and it kind of explained, it, it kind of explained why this, this is a problematic issue, possibly. Um, are you ready for that, Paul? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, now before, okay, before you pull up the images to look at, what is your, I don't know if you remember, you briefly saw it. Can you guess what the first game is that we're going to look at? Um, the first mm, image is from what game, Paul? Uh, or anybody else? Um, Chainmail? Great, great no. guess. It's not Chainmail. Not, not no, Chainmail, okay. okay. It's not. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll yeah. give you a hint. It's by, it's, it's by something by, by, by Mike Carr. Who, who we met uh, we met at GaryCon. I played in one of his naval games, of course. Right, right. Made a uh, game by Mike Carr. <laughs> I have no idea, Dan. No I idea. So see it of Dave Arneson's in the Twin Cities scene, of course. Yeah, all any, kinds of war games. Any, any, any guesses coming in from our chat here, I guess? Let me take a look. Uh, well, we're guessing Ardu and Grimoire. Yeah. <laughs> there's one of those words i just realized i've literally never said it out loud in my life until this very second i don't know how to pronounce the word grimoire <laughs> i hate that <laughs> anyway okay, uh, okay yeah here's the reveal so yeah. we're so the original so this is uh mike carr's world war one biplane fighter game that was there you go okay despero just nailed it originally called fight in the skies uh, mm -hmm. Later called uh, Dawn Patrol. Actually, I think this is. I think we're looking at what was going to be the second image there. Um, oh, uh, there, there you go. There gotcha. you go. Dawn Patrol. Okay. Yep. There you go. So, so here is uh, Fight in the Skies, renamed Dawn Patrol, is the edition that I had available here. And you know, so you've got World War One um, uh, warplanes. Uh, Dave Arneson played this heavily, right? Mm -hmm. Very close associate of Mike Carr's. Uh, Dave Arneson was, of course, really heavily in war games, and a lot of this affected his his thought very deeply. And one of the interesting things in um, Fight in the Skies or Dawn Patrol is that the planes have different health ratings for different parts. Your wings and your fuselage and the tail and the pilot all have separate silos of hit points that you mark. You have to every hit you have to determine where it hits you, mark off the hit points, and then. In the advanced optional rules, you have what you're looking at here, critical hit tables. And any particular hit has a chance to turn into a critical hit. Mm -hmm. And then depending what part of the plane you hit, you're going to go to one of these subtables, and you're just seeing the first couple ones on screen right now, a subtable for engine criticals, a subtable for fuselage criticals. And then later pages, you've got the tail and the middle fuselage and the, 
and the pilot and stuff like that. So, you know, this, this might look familiar to more complicated critical hit systems like possibly Warhammer or something like that, where you determine the location of the hit first. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you determine a hit, then you determine whether it's a critical hit, then you determine where the critical hit is, and then you roll on a particular table for how bad the critical hit is on that, that part of your body. Um, and here we are looking at something very similar for World War One planes. You're looking at Warhammer right now, possibly? I got, I'm, I'm getting it ready because this is going to come up. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to come up. I better have the book the book ready. So uh, so this is just the earliest example you could find of any game with some kind of critical hit option? Well, I feel like it's it clearly affected Dave Arneson's thinking. Gotcha. That's why I gotcha. picked it first. It's very, to me, this the, the very, very obviously affected Dave Arneson's thinking. So I felt like it was the first thread that actually by name explicitly mm -hmm. ties into D&D. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what year is this? Obviously, the, the, uh, 69, I think, was for the first fight in the skies. Okay, okay. I'm guessing. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing like 69.70. I think. Okay. You know the the dawn patrol was I think 75 technically, um, uh, but obviously critic. You know hit locations and critical hits are a major part of war games, particularly naval war games and aerial war games where you're looking at machinery, and that's the kind of stuff that Dave Arneson loved. Yeah. Uh, so Disparal is, is mentioning Avalon Hill's Bismarck 1962. Um, and Bismarck in the uh, the second edition, uh, I think 1976, is mm -hmm. one, of the, the, one of the main things I played in my life. It's actually the first war game I got was Bismarck. <laughs> and the, in the second edition, they have the most complicated system for shooting uh, in, in the advanced optionals I've ever seen in any system. And absolutely, there's a hit location system. There's amount of armor on each section of the ship. There's the amount of penetration that a 14-inch shell can accomplish at 5,000 meters versus 10,000 meters. And I have literally in my life never gotten anybody to play with that system. I wanted to so badly. <laughs> and nobody has ever dared play the full advanced version of Bismarck with me uh, with those hit location tables. Um, uh, okay, anyway, shake it off, Dan. Shake it off. We're not talking about Bismarck. But the point is, sure, hit locations, long, long history in, in war games prior to this point, and I picked this one because we know that Dave Arneson looked at it. Okay, okay. I mean, I, so so I, I guess, uh, as, as and maybe we'll come back to this later, but I know in Warhammer Fantasy RPG, hit locations are a big deal, and there is the whole concept of critical wounds... Um, or critical effects that uh, where damage does excessive things. This is separate from their, you rolled really well on the die, therefore you get a bigger effect, uh, which they called Ulrich's Fury in 2nd edition. So two separate things, which honestly get muddled in 4th edition. Uh, so yep. it's a whole thing, it's a whole thing, and I could talk about it, and I've written a bunch about it on my blog. Um, but the interesting thing, I think, is that is that those two concepts in Warhammer are actually separate. At least as far back as second edition, possibly first as well. Understood. Understood. Yeah, that, that's that's a thread we'll see here actually. And, <laughs> and the two the two separate things we can see here are hit locations versus extra special hits. And mm -hmm. you can have you can have one without the other. You can have a combination of both. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so so Disparal is is pointing out 
as an example, in Bismarck, the basic game has hit locations, and then the advanced game adds on extra complications. Same thing with Fight in the Skies or Dawn Patrol. The basic game has hit locations, and then the add-on is extra special, complicated, detailed hits like we're, that we're looking at currently. Hmm. Um, so that's... that's, that that's would, would you argue that the motivation here, though, I guess we, it's really hard for us to talk about the motivation behind rules that are this old and we don't have access right. to the original authors, but like we talked about originally how the motivation for wanting critical hits was to honor the random moment of rolling the highest value on a die because it's got this kind of emotional gambler's response. Yeah. And this, this does not feel like that to me. This feels more like we're honoring... Uh, like some kind of logic, right? Oh, it makes sense. If my hit goes at this specific vulnerable spot, it should do more damage lo via logic. Therefore, uh, you know, critical effect. I think that's, I mean, I just made a note here to see if we can maybe get Mike Carr on the show at some point. Let's do that. Uh, and ask, and ask, ask him, <laughs> and put him to the test, actually. Like, what was yeah. the motivation? We'll see. Yeah. Okay, um, great, great. Uh, and I agree with that. It, to me, this does feel like like simulation, right? Yeah. We are trying yeah. to simulate something. Uh, I'll say when I, when I've played Dawn Patrol, it's it's to my taste, it's 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 a little slow. They mm -hmm. the players care about all those details of clouds and elevation and speed and banking and turn radius, and I think that they do want to represent uh, additional risk. These, these particular concrete details that could happen when you get shot at. And also the, you know, the, just the general variation of the, the unexpected surprises that happen in combat that you can't control. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I feel that. I have, a, I have a simulation, you know, bit of DNA running through me. And I, I, I can understand why you would want to represent. Like, I, I read a history book, maybe, and there was this really interesting, surprising, unbelievable thing that happened that hadn't happened in another hundred flights. I want that to possibly show up in my game, maybe mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. to represent that. Mm -hmm. That that feels, you know, I, I read when I when I read books about medieval, you know, warfare, and you know, maybe someone's in a particular weird spot, or they happen to have the sunlight behind them one day. All of a sudden, I want that to show up in my game too. Hmm. Interesting. Let me let me let me derail you for a moment and jump into some Warhammer stuff. Um, so um, it's really interesting because, um, and this this kind of will eventually segue into the the custom rules that I use for critical wounds in D and D, which is actually trying to solve a totally separate problem. Um, but basically, so I'm, I'm looking here at the second edition Warhammer Fantasy RPG book. Um, uh, I sometimes get muddy about how much different second was from first second i think is a little easier organized uh, easier to find stuff um so this may or may not have existed in first edition so i apologize if i'm getting the history wrong but basically you have ulrich's fury which says if you hit and you roll a 10 on the damage die because it's d10 based that's the highest value you can roll then you may have hit with a particularly brutal roll uh it could be quote unquote ulrich's fury and you have to confirm it by rolling the hit again. So you have to roll the percentile test again. And if that succeeds, you get to roll an additional damage die. Um, if that succeeds and hits and you roll another 10, you can then keep rolling the D10 until, uh, I think until D10, until 10 results stop. So it's kind of like an exploding die, but it's a little gated on the first thing, on the first roll by an extra confirm roll. 
separately, totally separately, we have the concept of um, uh, critical effects, which is to say, after you're out of hit points, you don't necessarily die in Warhammer. Okay, you have no more hit points. You now take damage to a specific body location. We roll on a chart to see what brutal thing happened to that, that location. So we have separate charts here for critical effects to the arm or the leg or the head or the body. And they give us very... Um, they give us a range of, um, of, of descriptive results, and um, they're on a chart, but the chart is somewhat offset by how much extra damage you took. So if you take a lot of damage, it's more likely to be really brutal. Um, but you have things that I'm just going to really quickly say, like on the low end of head hits, you can be uh, disoriented, or uh, your ears can be bashed and causing you to ring and your head to spin, so you, you're stunned for a round. Uh, all the way up to, um, you know, killed in whatever spectacular and gore-drenched fashion the player or GM cares to describe. There you go. So that's like, you know, decapitation ultimately, for sure, is in there. Um, so the interesting thing is when you're talking about the, the simulationist of like wanting these these certain, oh, I read about this thing in history that happened. On the other hand, I like the critical effect charts because I like the descriptive injuries. I like the... Right, rather than just oh, you took enough hit points, now you are dropped, you're lying on the ground, and we have no like, did I twist my ankle? Did I break my neck? Like none of that bleeds yeah. in. I like having these effects of like specifically, you know, I got my ear bashed in, or my you know my elbow is broken, or whatever, something that I think is interesting. It adds. Um, visual reality to me as i'm imagining what the fight looks like uh gives me something to role play oh you know oh, I'm, I'm limping now because my knee got bashed etc etc so i like that as well um i do too i mean yeah. that was a major you know that was a major motivation why i've pursued semi-complicated critical hit tables just like that is for hmm. that that concrete flavor and you know personally if i could arrange it whereby i don't know every every fifth hit was like some special concrete, you know, sp specific thing like you're talking about. That's kind of what I was pursuing myself with um, hmm. with critical hit tables of have have some objective, specific, concrete effect other than just the hit points pop up. And I kind of wanted yeah. that happening every now and then, not all hmm. the time, but every now and then. See, I totally I, agree with that. I think that's part of the motivation too. I like what Warhammer yeah. does with it here, which is how I use it, which is it is yeah. the crescendo, right? It is once all the hit yeah. points are gone, this is the thing that takes you out of the fight. This okay. is this is the horrible, like, oh, why are you lying on the ground bleeding and not fighting anymore? It's because, right. you know, you took this horrible thing. Um, okay. And so I ultimately use this in my D&D games as my buffer point between zero hit points and death. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I'm not using this now as a critical, like, you roll the highest number on the die, and woohoo, we're excited. I use this as that buffer point um, between, okay, my numbers went all the way to zero, and now my character has been obliterated. I like, right. um, I like having that moment, especially because you're hooking into this visceral, like, oh god, you know, your arm was broken. Because I think it gives players that kind of hesitant moment of, oh, things are going badly. My character isn't out yet, but maybe I should do whatever I can to get my player out before they die horribly. There's a point in so in the, in the first edition rules, uh, Gary's writing in the in the Dungeon Master's Guide in the Combat system, section. I didn't I didn't pull up the the particular page today. Um, it's the first place where he 
permit uh, still being alive after zero hit points. So mm -hmm. obviously an original unity by the book, you hit zero hit points, you're just dead, you're done. That yep. Your piece is taken off the table. And then in first edition, um, he permits, if you hit zero exactly, maybe you're still alive for a little bit. And if you want to be super, super generous, we'll even allow the character to be alive in negative hit points, maybe. Yep. Um, and then he says, but if they go too far in negative hit points, maybe there's going to be some kind of scar or lost an eye mm -hmm. or some kind of permanent mark mm -hmm. of that severe injury. There aren't specific rules around that. It's just DM fiat. And so what you're doing, Paul, is a specific objective system of um, uh, designating what that permanent injury is or something like that. What other what other systems use criticals as a buffer between up and functional versus dead? Is that is that like a complete novel I, creation by yourself, or have you ever seen other systems that do I that? I mean, well, it's definitely here in Warhammer, right? Warhammer Fantasy Second Edition is basically the the gist is once you start getting hits beyond zero health, you're rolling on right. these charts, and the only thing okay. in Second Edition that's going to remove you from the combat is these charts. So you're okay. now taking okay. critical, taking critical. Okay, now I've done something really horrible. Uh, but players sense it, right? They certainly sense it, and they're like, "Oh, I'm in, I'm in chart territory, right? I'm in critical effect territory. Maybe I should get the hell out of here." Um, right. I'm not aware of any other game that does that, um, though. I'm sure there. I won't be surprised if there are, uh, but I'm not aware of it. Uh, that was definitely something I was trying to emulate. I was like, "That's the piece I like from Warhammer, and I wanted to steal." to bring into my D&D game. And I thought it nicely solved that problem of like the negative hit points and the, you know, let, let me systemize what, what the difference is between zero and no, you're really dead. And I mean, I can see the, you know, I don't use that specifically in my games. I can see the, the utility. Nowadays, most people interpret, uh, like most fifth edition players uh, interpret hit points, general hit points as mostly fatigue is not actual concrete injuries right um and then except maybe the very last hit whatever takes you to zero hit points maybe now that's a concrete actual hit so i can see the the motivation to that of here is the specific thing taking you from just being tired to actually being injured um, um so that's 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 consistent yeah i can see that I mean, the interesting thing here is we're, 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 we're talking about a lot of different systems and a lot of different rules, and the only thing that ties right. them together is this word critical, right? <laughs> right? Like, what, what are, are, is what we're talking yeah. about right now actually pertinent to the idea of a critical hit in terms of what, right. certainly what 5th edition D&D does? I would say no, right? 5th right? edition D&D right. is you roll a natural 20, you get to do some extra damage. That's a right. critical. Right. Right now, uh, so so just just more hit point damage. Yeah. Um, simpler, right? You don't need all these charts. You don't need multiple die rolls uh, on the hit confirm thing. You don't need to spend time looking up the charts. As someone who, who considers pacing to be super super important, I appreciate that. Um, I, so at the moment, the, the the folks talking in the chat are kind of pretty close to my thought process. Actually, is I do like the criticals showing up in the middle of the fight, possibly yeah. to surprise you, uh, as, as someone said, to possibly puncture through the, the hit point See, abstraction. I like that too. And here, the, yeah. the, here's my argument, right? These are different yeah. things. So I also, in my yeah, games, yeah. beyond having yeah. these, these injuries that take you out of the game or are the buffer between yeah. zero and death, 
I've also done a rule, a very simple rule of on a natural 20, you always do maximum damage, don't roll the die. Gotcha. Right, gotcha. which is just a way of increase, like, okay, let's honor that 20 and let's give you a bonus that's still within the range of a normal hit. Um, and um, I feel like those are, like, again, like, I feel like the word critical here is just a homonym, right? Critical effect versus, or critical hit versus critical injury are just different things that just happen to have used the same word critical. Great, great. Yeah, yeah, I can totally I, see that. Th and that's totally that's that. certainly what Warhammer 2nd Edition did when, with right. calling them critical effects and Ulrich's Fury, which is their, right, their right, you right, know, right. clever way. Unfortunately, by 4th Edition, they mashed them together and made them back into one system. It seems to be a common, <laughs> what a parallel evolution, I think is what they call it, that. It's like that seems to be a, a recurringly evolved rule situation in role-playing games is to do... Exactly, exactly that. Take these two things and match them together again. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, let's just talk for a moment about the mechanic about what triggers that extra damage. So a lot of us like being excited at the 20 coming up, and obviously that's the default rule for most of us. But there's, there's a couple problems with that because the 20 is then doing at least double or triple duty. Um, like in, in a lot of D&D, um, one... Um, it's doing extra damage when you roll a 20. Two, it's also constituting an automatic hit at the same time, if I recall correctly. So if an opponent has really, really high armor, there might be some cases where you almost can't hit them at all unless you roll that natural 20. And even back in first edition, there was a little bit of a boost for that. So maybe the 20 is the only thing you can use to hit somebody and you're doing double damage, and then you wind up in a situation where I only ever hit this guy by doing double damage. I yeah. always get critical every time I hit him, yeah. which obviously seems weird and odd. Um, does that bother you or is that more of a theoretical problem? It's interesting, I think. Um, so yeah. the auto hit on a 20 is an interesting topic that just came up in my last 5th edition game. Uh, oh. Because let me, let me ask you this, Dan. Uh, yeah. Do you know, does the 20 always succeeds rule extend outside of combat? Okay, by the book, <laughs> no. I'm pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty clear on that. Mm -hmm. uh, as a, as, as a, in my games, they would. In, yeah. in my games, what about, they, what about they, like they, opposed they, roles, right? If I'm rolling stealth and you're rolling perception to see me, does it matter if either one of us rolls a critical? What if we both roll wonderful. a natural 20? Wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're back to the, the discussion um, <laughs> yeah. at the end of last year of like in a tie, does the spotter or the hider win? Yeah, um, yeah. me, so, I would go with the spotter in that case. By the book, mm -hmm. in fifth edition, natural twenty in any kind of skill check does not matter. There is no such mm -hmm. thing as auto success yeah. in skill checks. It yeah. is possible for my for your stealth to be simply so good, I will never see you. Impossible yeah. for me yeah. to see you. Yeah. It's what that you know that one's interesting is that I see a lot of uh, discussion online of the physician and and you know DMs who who do give extra benefit on skills to a natural twenty people are outraged at that people yeah. are really this is why I'm clear on the rule is that I have probably seen not seen any rule that gets people as worked up as as uh, giving auto success on on a twenty hmm. to skills boy fifth edition players get really upset. Well, it's really, it's really fascinating because, you know, earlier I talked about how 
what I really want is to see the natural 20 go up and, you know, show up. Everyone gets excited, and I want the rules to discourage me as DM from cutting the legs out of that excitement. But gotcha. holy crap, does it cut the legs out from the excitement if you say, I rolled a natural 20, my stealth total is, you know, 25, and I go, well, his passive perception's 30, so sorry. Nope. Gotcha. <laughs> like, gotcha. I just did the best I could possibly do. I rolled a natural 20. What do you mean? And sorry, the numbers say not actually possible. Why was I even rolling? Good question. <laughs> For the fog of war, basically. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Good point. So coming back to specifically um, attack rolls type thing, um, uh, because of the, the, the double duty of both auto hit plus the best thing you can roll, plus the extra damage, um, a lot of systems, you know, and I guess if you're statistically minded, you're, you really feel like this is really necessary, uh, split them off somehow of either have a, have a uh, confirmation roll, mm -hmm. uh, like you're talking about in Warhammer, and that also existed in third edition D&D, &D, right? Yep. You rolled a 20 or a 19, depending on your weapon type in third edition, and that wasn't an instantly a critical hit, for double damage, you had to roll another hit roll, and if that succeeds, then you've actually got extra damage. And that makes the probabilities work out nicely, I totally get that, but now you've got extra dice hitting the table, and you have the problem of, yay, I rolled a, a 20, I'm gonna confirm that, oh, I failed, now the, the last you know flavor in my on my palate is failure, and not the, the greatness of the 20. So that yep, kind of yep, yep. statistically totally makes sense. It's totally required, frankly. But, you know, play emotion uh, uh, energy, it, it, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, so, so then you think about maybe just taking the critical hits away from the D20 roll and putting them under the damage roll, like you're talking about in Warhammer. And frankly, so it was, it was, it was, it was Joshua who mentioned this, I think actually last week or something in our, our post-show Discord chat. This was like a whole, this wasn't in the chat today. Gotcha. Of the idea of, you know, and you just, just what you described by Warhammer basically of use exploding damage all the time. Yeah. Of roll your damage die. If you roll the highest possible thing, roll it again, keep rolling. And I have never, it's funny because I, I, I confess, I've never used that in D&D. I have never thought about that in D&D, but boy, that really opened up my mind is, in theory, I kind of really want that now. It's yeah. like probability-wise, that's super nice. Uh, it's only possible additive. It can happen on any particular hit roll, so it doesn't mangle the chances to hit. And boy, I, I all of a sudden, I really like that idea of exploding I mean, damage. All the time. So that came up, right? If you think about the the default fifth edition um, rules for criticals, right? It's mm -hmm. on a natural twenty you essentially get a kind of bounded exploding dice, right? It's, it's right. not really true exploding where you keep re-rolling and re-rolling. You just get to roll once, mm -hmm. double the dice. It's fine. It's kind gotcha. of a similar thing. The problem there is, I think, that, and what they were reacting to in that chat was that um, sometimes just probability there can can cut the emotional response. Woohoo, I got the natural 20. All right, it's a hit, and I rolled two ones. And yep, yep. I do minimal damage yep. on my critical. And I've seen this, and yep. you'll, I mean, heck, if you just watched the last episode of 10 Dead Rats, you'll see this happen. Um, I think it was a backstab, in specifically, where, where it's like, oh, I backstabbed! Uh, two points of damage. Yep. Which is really see disappointing. It. Really disappointing. Um, yep. But that said, I think, you know, 
the major point I feel like we need to come back to here is what problem is are these rules trying to solve, right? And I always felt like the problem, anytime someone starts talking about critical hits, the problem I want to solve is keeping the emotional crescendo of rolling a natural 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, exploding damage dice doesn't do that. Understood. Yeah, sure. It would, <laughs> right? that, that would take it away from the D20. That would, that, that would certainly remove it from the issue of the hit roll, and then a 20 would just be nice to look at. <laughs> But well, isn't that a problem then? Like, well, what, it, what it, is it, it actually it, solve then? What is the problem it's actually solving? Well, in, in, increasing uh, surprise uh, mm-hmm. in combat. So, mm-hmm. so occasional extra damage, uh, increasing surprise and risk in combat and making it less predictable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Which I think is, which I think is legitimate, a legitimate yeah. thing. Yeah. Of. Um, you know, maybe I, maybe I've stabbed maybe I've stabbed my opponent in the eye with a dagger. Maybe I've managed to managed to work my my dagger through the eye slits of the of the plate armor or something like that. Did actually happen in real life? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe that's a, a, a simulation of the of the of the. You're never totally not in risk when you're in a fight. Something yeah. really you know arbitrarily bad could possibly happen. I have to say. Did. So so the interesting thing is, uh, I mentioned earlier, I've played with the rule of a natural 20 is simply maximum damage, right? You, you right. got a critical hit, great, you get maximum damage, no need to roll the dice, which does right. ramp up the damage, right? Great, you did do kind of more damage than was probable, but it yeah. keeps it within the bounds of reality, right? It's not like an exploding die where I'm going to like one-shot somebody by just continually exploding and exploding and exploding. Um, but the downside to it was, again, I felt like it hampers the emotional response because right. who I rolled a 20, oh, I don't get to roll any more dice. Like there's almost this disappointment right. moment of like, no, but no, you did well. You get to do a bunch of damage. Uh, but I was ready to roll more dice and uh, now I'm not rolling I, I dice. agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. And I don't like that the 20 turns predictable all of a sudden. Is, yeah. Is, yeah. And with this, with this, you know, real life combat is risky and unpredictable idea. The twenty all of a sudden becomes the most predictable thing. I immediately know what the damage was, um, and you know one one thing you said maybe you know just in the last thirty seconds was it's it, it, it's realistic because it's bounded because you can't one shot somebody. But of course we know people do get one shotted. Yeah. For for you know and, and someone who who investigates that sees people are really surprisingly robust and fragile at the same time of you know there are examples of people in the world that have been shot with bullets or arrows 12 15 times and walked away yeah. and there are people that one single arrow in the wrong place and they and they expired unfortunately right sure and then uh, and, okay right and then we get into the air area of like uh you know bart's black arrow and 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 <laughs> right like the the sort of not just people right what about big terrifying monsters and i think we start to get into this realm of as dm are you okay with players short-circuiting your content right because uh if you recall um stefan picorni in our um uh i think in our awards show uh, episode of the big bad shared a story where um i think he was playing with joe manganello and he like had cast um, a a paralysis spell on a dragon that would happen to be flying over water, and the dragon yeah. missed the save, falls into the water, and drowns. 
Right. Right. And right. and and that's sort of a, a case, right, of like, okay, clever play or luck or whatever has caused this encounter that I as DM set up and expected to take an hour of exciting moments and collapsed it into a couple seconds of, you know, fun, sure. But like I guess I guess you guys aren't gonna fight a, a giant red dragon because I rolled a one and into the water it goes. I how do you feel about that? I, I, I feel conflicted. That. Conflicted, I feel honestly, really conflicted. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you another example that I thought was, you know, again, this, here's a good case, right? Of like, uh, no, in that case, right? I think I think Stefan's point of his story was that, like, you know, it was fun and hilarious, and they kept playing, right? They embraced it, right? Right. Uh, I remember an episode of Critical Role where Matt Mercer had all these complicated rules ready to go for naval combat because the party was on a boat. And then yep. one of the players casts, like, control water and just, like, sinks the other boat. And, <laughs> and it was a case of, like, oh, these naval combat rules don't account for, like, there are certain spells that are just logically, when you read the description of the spell, oh, yeah, that would that would sink a boat. <laughs> I'm going to see, I, I yeah. feel like this is where, I'm just going to make a little pitch here for playtesting, yeah. which, which in some circles now has a bad name to it. I, if you're going to have naval rules, you should play test them in the context of your fantasy game. Yeah, um, that that should have that should have been play tested and known. Um, well, the, in this case, I think the spell shot. was cast before the naval combat even began. Right? They're oh. like, okay, we see this, we see the boat in the distance. We think we're about to engage. I'm going to cast this okay. spell. I guess it dashes okay. it into the rocks and sinks it. Uh, <laughs> I guess we're not using. And again, Matt gracefully is like. Takes the con, sets it to the side. I guess we're not doing this, right? <laughs> which I think is actually a really important DMing skill is is to get to that point where you're okay with that. You're okay with saying like, mm, yeah, I yeah, made yeah. a bunch of content, and I guess we're just not going to do. You absolutely must do that. You've you you I I feel like you really have to do that. <laughs> you have to embrace the chaos. That's why you're coming to the table in the first place. Um, yeah, yeah. Let, let me okay. Let me just pitch. Let me just pitch a, a possible critical role for you, Paul. Yeah. Uh, natural twenty, you get maximum damage and automatic explosion. So it's so so you so you, you go your damage die. We 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 act like you rolled maximum damage, and that is now triggering. Uh, uh, that's now triggering exploding damage, and you start rolling extra dice for what you're adding on top of the max damage. Right, which with with the potential for further explosion, right? The infinite recursive. Yeah. If you like. I like sure. it. Something I actually like it. Yeah. I like it. That sounds yeah. great. Let's try that. Yeah. Let me cap oh. it at one. If you, don't, <laughs> if you don't like it exploding forever, cap it at one extra die or let it explode forever. Either one. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I think that's going to work well in simpler systems. I think it's going to be problematic in like D&D. Uh, fifth edition specifically, where maybe there are multiple dice. Right again, I'm rolling a d12 for my great axe and the d6 for the for the acid damage it's doing, and also a d4 because I have this you know spell buff on me at the moment. Okay. Now okay. I have to like mentally go, okay, so I've done sixteen. What is that? Eighteen, twenty-two points of damage automatically, and now roll some dice. Right? Like I don't know, but maybe that's just uh, that fifth edition is complicated and suck it up <laughs> um let's okay so I yeah. see, there's, a, there's a question from from john miller at the moment of and we have not yet addressed the issue of what's the effect of critical hits on on player characters versus monsters oh let's put this one up there because yeah. actually i was about to bring yeah. this one up um 
because specifically, regardless of the rules, this has been an argument from my players, and oftentimes why I end up with no criticals in my games is because I okay. I say, okay, it's complex, okay. and players, what do you think? And they come back with this argument. So here's the question. Uh, John Miller asks, have you guys already addressed the issue that PCs will be subject to more critical hits on average than monsters because there are more monsters than PCs in most scenarios? Gotcha. So let's let's go back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to abbreviate this. But let's go back to the historical conversation because that has this has been part of the conversation from the inception of course. It's a, yep. it's, it's a great. Thing. So if we go back to so we we initially looked at uh, Fight in the Skies or Dawn Patrol that had a war game with critical hits that we know that um, Dave Arnold uh, worked on mm -hmm. uh, commonly. At the very opening of the show, I said that original D and D didn't have critical hits. That's not 100% correct. If you go to the next slide, we'll be looking at, this is a page from Original D&D Volume 3, and you can see about two-thirds down the way, uh, the page there, there's there's two tables, and one of them is labeled the Critical Hit Table in Original D&D Volume yep. 3. Yep, okay. okay. Now, this is, where is this? This is in the context of the aerial combat <laughs> rule. <laughs> written right, by because, Dave Arneson. Yep, yep. Because we're drawing right. directly off of fight, fight in the Skies. They, right? were they were entirely drawn off Mike Carr's Fight in the Skies. It is explicitly called out in the rule book. The, this set of rules that we're going to call Battle in the Skies is specifically inspired by Fight in the Skies. Now, you know, Dave Arneson wrote these rules for an aerial game. They got massively cut down by Gary Gygax to fit in the, in the, in the rule book here. Mm -hmm. Massively cut down. Now, fortunately, a draft of Arneson's original full rule set does exist, and it is in the possession of Griff, who made the uh, Secrets of Blackmore uh, film. And actually, we're hoping to have Griff on the show, hopefully pretty soon, actually. Um, and uh, Griff actually ran Arneson's original um, uh, uh, battle in the fantasy battle in the skies at GaryCon two years ago, and to a large part, from what Griff tells me, though that rule set is basically just Mike Carr's fight in the sky, except with Pegasi and, and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. rocks and griffins and all that kind of stuff. It okay. is fight in the skies. Um, so here you have critical hits in original D and D. Now I'll say, I have tried to play test these these aerial rules for D and D. Once again, here's added rules. Right? We've talked about this before. When you have mm -hmm. added rules, it's kind of cool. But when a new player comes to the table and they get hit by this for the first time, they're very surprised. Yep. And it's not something that they're ready to deal with. So I've run this with, of course, my partner, Isabel. She doesn't like this. Yep. When, the, when the critical hit table all of a sudden pops up uh, on, on the flyer, she doesn't like it because it's not something she was thinking up, about up to that point. Uh, but here it is in original D&D, &D, basically coming from Fight in the Skies. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing, if you go another slide forward, you get to, to Dave Arneson's Blackmore supplement, right? It's the second supplement mm -hmm. for original d, d What do you see here? A hit location system. Yep, okay. It looks okay. almost exactly like Fight in the Skies. So now every single creature in the game, person, monster, serpent, pegasus, whatever, every single hit, you're supposed to roll percentile dice, determine whether you hit them in the arm or the wing or the tail or the head or the torso or the leg. Mm -hmm. And your hit points now are chopped up percentage-wise. So some of your hit points are in your head, some of your hit points are in your arm. And if you just happen to hit something in the head, it's quite likely they don't have many many hit points there and you might quite likely one-shot them by hitting them in the head. Um, 
And obviously, he has to provide different tables and different mm -hmm. hit point mm -hmm. ratios depending on what your shape is. Are you a serpent? Are you humanoid? Are you a flyer? Are you a fish? And these tables go on for pages and pages and pages for this optional role by Dave Arneson to use hit locations. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind, too, of course, is the special rules that you'll find in the Monster Manual for the Hydra, which does that same thing, right, of chopping yeah. up the hit points yeah, by yeah. head, and so yeah, that if yeah. you do X amount of hit point damage, one of the heads comes yeah. off. And then my yeah. knee-jerk reaction is, oh, well, I couldn't use this rule, these rules, with a Hydra, because how the hell would that work? Uh, great point. Now I'm like, uh, <laughs> I suspect I'm they won't work later. together. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. think there's a specific hydro table. I think you're right about that. Right. And you know, so you know, Arneson changed the rules. He would yeah. he would change yeah. the rules possibly on the flight. Now, the thing I want to point out is that Gary Gygax hated all of this stuff. <laughs> he loved it, right? So as much as Arneson loved writing more detail, and Dave Arneson, when he would sit down and write, my my take on it is he wrote long, extensive, complicated, sophisticated, interesting, very complicated, very complicated rules. <laughs> and, you know, some people say he didn't play it like he wrote it, or that what he was writing was aspirational, but he, he loved the complicated critical hit location rules. Now, if you go another slide forward, I think the next thing I had there was uh, an article in Dragon Magazine number, I think, 16, I think, in 1978, where Gary Gygax comes in and he just he he just flambates the idea <laughs> of critical hits. He hates them. And on this page, you see here, and maybe I'll maybe I'll put the rest of it on my blog. But the part that I have in red, he said, um, uh, the examples of people trying to improve combat so far have been terrible. In particular, the critical hit or double damage on a two-hit die roll of 20 is particularly offensive to the precepts of D&D as well. The, whole, the very idea of double damage on a 20, a vile, apocalyptic plague, anathema to the very core idea of D&D. How could anyone consider such a ridiculous thing? Um, and he, why? Why does he hate it? Well, there's two, two reciprocal rules which go with this, with such a system, which are seldom, if ever, mentioned. One, opponents scoring a natural 20 will likewise cause double damage. And two, if a 20 is indicated as a per perfect hit, then shouldn't we have one be a perfectly awful hit where you lose your weapon? More complication, more terrible. And, of course, the fact that the players are uh, in, in more fights than the monsters means that they're going to be receiving more critical hits then they're going to be benefiting from. Um, and I, then, so, yeah, go ahead, Paul. I just want to jump in here real quick for the sake of the podcast yeah. listeners uh, who don't have the text in front of them to make it clear that that Dan may have elaborated slightly Gygax's original quote there. Uh, so do look it up. <laughs> there's, there's a yeah, little but bit I mean, of... he, he really does say particularly offensive, <laughs> He right? does say particularly offensive. He, he does say that. Yeah, yes. particularly yeah. offensive to the precepts of D&D, quote-unquote. Yes, um, yes. Yes. Uh, anyway, we agree that he hated it. Yes, you're, you're, yes you're we right. definitely agree that he hated it. <laughs> yeah. And he goes on. So, yeah. But there's a lot more text. The other thing that the podcast listeners aren't seeing is the very great amount of text that's on screen right now that we don't have time to read. So I was trying to summarize yeah. the great. overall theme of the rest of the page. Great. Um, yep. Yep. And then if you, um, if you slide forward a, a, a slide, um, he puts this in the core rule book, uh, the first edition DM's guide, 
Um, he puts the same basic idea as pretty much, I think it's actually the second paragraph in the, in the very long combat section. Um, and again, he says, um, the, the location of hits and the type of damage caused are not germane to the system. Um, uh, it, uh, da, 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 da. Lest some purists immediately object, consider the many charts and tables that would be necessary to handle this sort of detail. And then also think about how area effect spells would work. If you overlook <laughs> how the spells are going to work in a complicated system like this, you might wind up regretting it. I don't know if you've ever seen a situation like that, Paul. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are, are crippling disabilities more interesting for an open-ended episodic game? Uh, not likely, he says. <laughs> not likely. So, but but Dan, what I want to get back to what what originally inspired us to dive into here is that is that question uh, from John that was basically like, you know, what about just this pure statistical impact of this? That's that was always the argument I heard from my players of we are more likely to suffer from critical hit rules than than to um, benefit right that on some total because there are so many more monsters and they were and you roll so many more dice than we do as dm uh critical hits are actually detrimental to the success rate of our party yeah yeah totally um um uh, what are your and, thoughts and you, on that i'm curious well, and I'll just say, if you read yeah. more of the text in this paragraph that we've got on the on the screen, Gygax is aware of it in 1979, says the same thing, says he's troubled by the mm -hmm. prospect. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I used uh, complicated... Actually, if you go to the next slide, you'll see the, um, the, the, the critical hit tables that I did use for a while. Mm -hmm. um, so here are hit location, weapon location, concrete-specific things uh, in an optional article from... Uh, Dragon number 36, I think, in 1980. Um, and I used these for a couple of years. I wanted the concrete detail. I wanted the higher risk. I was always adjusting them and modifying them. And then ultimately, I got rid of them because of that fact, because the, the you know, the lose, lose a hand uh, doesn't do much interesting benefit when it happens to a monster, because they're going to be mm -hmm. out of the scene quickly anyway. And it's crippling to a player character forever, um, yep. and that symmetry did feel did did feel wrong to me, and that's actually why I've, I wound up getting rid of these tables. Okay, okay, but even like, what if I step that back and we say we're not going to use crazy, uh, you know, uh, violent effects to the players, and we're just we're just talking about double damage. Should you get double damage on a natural twenty? Argument. No, because that's actually detrimental to overall success of the players. What do you think about? Like, let me think about that. What is what is your take on that? Um, you know, honestly, I feel like um, I, I I I feel like I go back to the problem, uh, the original problem that I'm trying to solve, which is that there is palpable excitement at the table when a twenty comes up. And I want to honor that, right? And 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 so okay, so uh, I could maybe do something like say, just for players, not for monsters. What do you think of that? Yeah, that that that, that always that asymmetry always bothers me. Yeah, um, just like it did Gary, and that's part of the thing he didn't like about critical hits in general was was the idea of the next thing you're going to tell me is someone's going to say only do it for the players to be nice. Yeah. Uh, and I got to admit that asymmetry bothers me. It bothers me for world building issues, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. when if I make a war game or something or something like that. How does the world work? 
Are there are there special people that just do extra damage once in a while? And and how common are they in the world? So I don't I tend to not like those kinds of asymmetry things. I'll say that double damage has never maybe I'm a slow learner. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to to be convinced that the concrete criticals were overly punishing to the players. I haven't taken that lesson away from double damage. Hmm. Double damage they can recover from, they can get some healing, and to date I haven't you know, they, 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 when I roll the 20 and the players take double damage, everybody cringes. I don't mind that emotional response, yep. but it hasn't felt, it hasn't felt abusively overwhelming. Yeah. I will say in currently in 10 dead rats, we are playing with no special effect when you roll a natural 20 and it continually uh, is a road bump, right? Like you'll see many episodes where someone rolls a natural 20 and there's a moment of like, wait, do we, do we do something special here? And I have to remind myself no the answer is no we don't and uh yeah and it and it's a little deflating so i almost think eh you know as 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 was mentioned uh, uh i think by joshua in the chat yolo like just i don't know <laughs> maybe just roll with it because it it makes the game more fun overall even if it is slightly more punishing to the players yeah i like that and it probably depends. It's probably situational, right? Like, uh, I can see that, That yes, I'm going to roll more 20s when I'm attacking you with 50 goblins. But what about when I'm attacking you with one dragon? Um, I, I'll tell you that the double damage yeah. really hurts then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, but I'm going to roll fewer of them than the party is, right? The party, the, the action economy of, of it is is variable, I guess is my point, depending on the makeup right. of the encounter. Um, right. I probably, on average, you're right. If I looked at, like, on average, probably I roll more total D20s than the players do when I'm DMing. But uh, I do think it is somewhat situational per encounter. Right. Right, and it's and, and that kind of emphasizes why it is a little bit trickier to have um, uh, insta kill results, like really crippling insta kill results, when you are expected in a Conan like fashion to be fighting mobs and mobs of dozens of, of opponents at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, that would really fighting mobs of opponents plus an auto kill rule that would really work against those two streams would work against each other yeah yeah i agree with that i agree with that i agree with that again i my argument is again to separate the uh whatever rule you're coming up with that's meant to celebrate the natural 20 from the Mm -hmm. we want um really um you know exciting cinematic moments with horrible detailed injury i think those two things should not be married in my i can see that Maybe we should do something totally different to honor the natural frame. Maybe we should be like, you get 100 extra XP, something right. like that, right? You get, you get extra idea. experience every time you roll a yeah. natural 20, something yeah. like that, Yeah. Um, yeah. to be cool and interesting. I'm not going to do that, but I just throw the <laughs> idea out there <laughs> of just some totally different reward. Or I don't know if you're doing like a fifth edition benefit type thing. I mean, maybe yeah, throw out a yeah, benefit you, you, that gets you automatic inspiration. Honestly, inspiration yeah, is an interesting yeah. thing that we argue about yeah. in my game as well because we never remember to yeah. use it. We never remember to award yeah. it, and the people who get it never remember to use it. So, inspiration basically dies on the vine for us. If it was me- mechanized like that, ooh, natural twenty, you get inspiration. Sure, that's actually 
Why not? That's it. I'd like that idea. Oh, I feel like I want to try that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, break, break that one down. I'll propose that, propose that one to my group. See what they think. <laughs> Though we're already using the default uh, fifth edition of, of extra damage on a natural 20, so maybe they will be sad to replace that. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, something to think about. <laughs> well, uh, I see by the clock we're about out of time, Dan. Uh, any final Please. thoughts on criticals? Uh, we didn't get to all my images. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. There was only one more, and it wasn't that important. That's fine. Um, so my takeaway, my takeaway is, you know, so we we have all these different, you know, the plethora of ideas about, you know, uh, critical hits or hit locations or things like that. And I feel like part of the reason is that the two original creators of D and D ferociously were in conflict over the idea, right? Mm. Ferociously mm -hmm. in conflict. So you had Dave Arneson, who couldn't be happier with the idea of complicated, sophisticated, detailed, many, many tables and many, many charts and rules coming out of his, his war game experience, playing with Mike Carr and other people. And you had Gary Gygax, who considered the idea of, of double damage on a 20 to be anathema to the very essence of Dungeons and Dragons. And I feel like that, that conflict, um, has, has, has spawned the great variety of ways between the two ends of that continuum that you could possibly dial that in. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting area for creative interpretations of D&D over the years and opportunities to house rule it and experiment um, and because of that, that, that clear fracture in the system because the two creators were two so adamantly opposite directions on the issue. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Um, I, I, my read between the lines, and I may be way off, is is uh, continues to be that I feel like most folks implement these rules, whether it was Gygax and Arneson or, or or people today adding house rules, without thinking about what problem they're solving. Uh, that that like uh, as as Jeff Goldblum tells us, the scientists are so focused on if they can, they don't ask if they should. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's my advice uh on any of these things is 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 really think about like what problems am i trying to solve or what what why do i want this in my game what is it adding um and then possibly be ready to like move it somewhere else you know again the like as as i did i think with uh critical effects moving that to the buffer between zero and death rather than the natural 20 celebratory moment that's my advice. Uh, if that you, dear listeners, have different ideas, have seen criticals work in different ways, or uh, thoughts on how criticals should work, uh, or uh, maybe want to hear about the other end of the spectrum, which we didn't really discuss at all but hinted at, which is, of course, fumbles. Maybe we need a whole show on fumbles. Um, you know, leave us some Damn comments. <laughs> leave us some comments here in the video. Um, we would love to hear your your opinions, and uh, possibly that will spawn off future shows for us. To chaos! <laughs> oh, by the way, um, don't forget, if, maybe if you're new to the show, don't forget that you can like and follow and subscribe to us on a bunch of social media like YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and probably some other stuff. And we have, and, and GitHub now! GitHub also! <laughs> There is it's an true. actual. It's true. There is an actual wandering <laughs> GitHub. So whether you're on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, or GitHub, we do have the handle 
wandering DMs on all the locations. So please look for us there. Uh, if you prefer to listen to our uh, discussions in audio-only format, you can get our show in podcast form from our website at wanderingdms.com. You can also find us on various podcast carriers, such as iTunes and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify. If you're listening to us on one of those sites, please take a moment to rate and review us there. Uh, that helps us and helps uh, other fans on those sites find us. It really does. And uh, the other thing we, we, of course, massively appreciate is our very generous patrons who support the show, uh, Wandering Dams, and all the other shows that we have on the Wandering Dams channel. Um, if you're able and willing to join them, uh, please do visit patreon.com slash wanderingdms. You'll see our different tier levels, including uh, opportunities to extend the chat with us personally that we host um, uh, after every talk show. We'll get on our private Discord server with several of our patrons and kind of continue the conversation there, um, as well as uh, other things we have planned coming up this uh, this year. Uh, don't forget, of course, that Paul will be back Thursday night from 8 to 10 uh, Eastern time with another episode of 10 Dead Rats that we'll all be looking forward to. And, of course, we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, so we hope that you'll come back and join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs>